Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of humanities-based practice of healthcare. Thanks so much for joining. Today, we're listening to Sassafras Tea by Effie Lee Newsom, a poet during the Harlem Renaissance, most known for her children's poetry. Sassafras Tea by Effie Lee Newsom. The sassafras tea is red and clear in my white china cup. So pretty, I keep peeping in before I drink it up. I stir it with a silver spoon, and sometimes I just hold a little tea inside the spoon like it was lined with gold. It makes me hungry just to smell the nice hot sassafras tea. And that's the one thing I really like that they say is good for me. Some thoughts on sassafras tea. Sassafras, also known as cinnamon wood and smelling stick, is a tree that grows in the eastern United States. And as its aliases suggest, it has highly aromatic properties. Native American communities first used many parts of the plant for culinary and medicinal purposes, which were soon adopted by European colonizers. It was thought to purify the blood, so is used for malaria, syphilis, rheumatism, diarrhea, wounds, and many other ailments. In fact, another name for the species is agu tree, since agu A-G-U-E is an archaic term for malaria. Additionally, sassafras had been a key ingredient in root beer. Because of these many uses, the plant was one of the colony's primary exports, along with tobacco. And this is why Newsom concludes that sassafras tea is the one thing I really like that they say is good for me. The tea is made with the tree's root bark, and was one of the most common routes of sassafras administration. The subsequent infusion contains a high concentration of safroil oil, which yields much of the flavor and aroma. Unfortunately, this oil was found to cause liver cancer in rats, and was banned by the FDA as a food additive in the 1960s. According to Cherokee tradition, the tea was only made from young, red-stemmed plants, as the older, white-stemmed plants were thought to be poisonous. So some have argued that this may point to an ancient wisdom about a potential narrow therapeutic window for sassafras. While it is no longer the root of root beer, you can still get sassafras tea that is sassafras-free, and many websites still hawk its medicinal benefits, although there is no clear evidence for these claims. Some thoughts on drinking tea. While sassafras tea is no longer recommended, the poem presents many of the potential benefits of drinking tea. First, the narrator's process of enjoying the tea is a practice of mindfulness, taking into account all the senses. The poem blossoms with color from the white china, silver spoon, and of course, the red and clear tea that turns gold 
when held in the right light. The narrator takes particular joy from this sight, saying, So pretty, I keep peeping in. While not directly mentioned, the act of stirring the tea in the china cup evokes chimes in a domestic version of the Tibetan rain bowls. We then hear about the mouth-watering smell and feel the nice hot sassafras tea. Surprisingly, the poem seems to end before the speaker even tastes the tea. Her admiration of the tea's beauty occurs before I drink it up, and then we hear, I just hold a little tea, with the qualifying just, implying that she doesn't sip the tea from the spoon either. The concluding stanza leaves the narrator and the reader hungry, anticipating the sweet and cinnamon taste. Clearly, the poetic voice is highly present for this experience, and there is a wealth of meta-analyses that show the many benefits of mindfulness, from chronic pain to depression to insomnia, and even possible benefits for the immune system. Many cultures have similarly attentive tea rituals, from the Japanese matcha ceremonies to British tea time to passing around the Argentine yerba mate gourd to the mint tea of North Africa that is poured from height into small glasses, to the elaborate Russian samovar kettles, to chai cellars that pepper Indian cities, and lastly, to the magic of a witch's brew. Another benefit of tea comes from the heat, the nice hot sassafras tea. For a long time, including in Newsom's day, boiling was a reliable way to purify water that otherwise could cause many gastrointestinal illnesses. Additionally, the hot water, as Anne Lamott describes in episode 28, can do wonders for an upper respiratory infection. This episode is brought to you once again by Really Really Hot Water. It's the key to coffee, the ticket for tea, the reason for ramen, and the soul of soup. It's also a surefire way for pure water. When 60% of you use H2O, make sure you're getting the good stuff. Make sure it's really, really hot water. Some thoughts on what is good for us. The closing lines have a deep irony for contemporary readers. When Newsom wrote the poem, sassafras was a flavorful beverage with widely held benefits. But these days, hindsight has a much different view. In a way, though, this change in historical perspective on the benefits of sassafras tea further support Newsom's concluding theme of the fraught nature of what they, with a capital T, say is good for me. In the original context, the poem uses the rhetoric device of the exception that proves the rule to highlight that most things that are thought to be good for you are unpleasant or at the very least bland. This is why sassafras tea is so unique. As if to emphasize this rarity, Newsom gives an additional syllable to the line, and that's the one thing I really like. Based on its placement, it should be an iambic tetrameter with eight syllables. What's more, the extra ninth syllable seems to occur at one thing, which is a spondee, or two or more consecutive stress syllables. These two accented words break the rhythm of the line, and highlight the extra beat. In episode 15, we heard how Henry de Rosio uses spondee to create an irregular rhythm 
that echoes the narrator's anxiety. In this case, Newsom uses the poetic device as a proclamation that this line is a literal exception to the rule. Aphorisms such as the treatment is worse than the disease, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, and a tough pill to swallow, and their like point to this general sentiment. Certainly, most medical treatments come with discomfort, from the foul taste of metronidazole all the way up to the toxic effects of chemotherapy. Even non-pharmalogic interventions have their share of baggage. Just mentioning exercise, diet, or compression socks can get my patients on edge. Most of what we recommend in healthcare is difficult, uncomfortable, or both. So knowing how to coach patients over these hurdles is perhaps more important than knowing the prescription. Motivational interviewing is a set of techniques to help patients make these leaps for health. And during medical school and residency, it was held out like the Holy Grail, deep with reverence, but short on specifics. I do wonder if there couldn't be a place for a rotation in sales in the near decade of medical training. Newsom's poem makes me think about when my medical advice really is something my patients enjoy. I love prescribing ice cream for my geriatric and palliative care patients who have been losing weight. And along these lines, the Mediterranean diet, with its emphasis on olive oil and fish over red meats, is more palatable than many other methods of food restriction and does have consistent evidence for its health benefits. Similarly, the visit after sending in tamsulosin for prostate enlargement is generally very rewarding, and I have literally had patients tell me it's a miracle drug. However, many of the medicines that people actively seek, such as benzodiazepines, opioids, and stimulants, with their quick and clear effects, require particular caution based on the risks for addiction, overdose, and eventual tolerance. So in healthcare, there is a skepticism that anything that patients really like may be too much of a good thing, which was borne out with sassafras tea. The irony of the concluding lines in a contemporary reading is an apt demonstration of how what is said to be good for us is apt to change, either going out of favor or being proven harmful. For example, tobacco is used for many conditions, including weight loss, Parkinson's, and wounds, and cocaine was used for alcohol use disorder. Even well-studied medicines often prove to be dangerous, like thalidomide, which was an effective medicine for morning sickness, but ultimately found to cause birth defects. With GLP-1 agonists like semaglutide and dulaglutide for weight loss becoming all the rage, I can't help but feel pulled to the cliché that the other shoe is just waiting to drop. Dietary opinions are particularly prone to fads. How many times has Atkins diet or its variants like keto cycled through? And are adaptogens better than antioxidants? Is coffee good or bad? And whatever happened to superfoods? And in 10 years, what will we think of intermittent fasting? Many times, defining what is good in healthcare has proven just as elusive and debatable as the philosopher's search for the good.
Sassafras Tea by Effie Lee Newsom. The sassafras tea is red and clear in my white china cup. So pretty, I keep peeping in before I drink it up. I stir it with a silver spoon, and sometimes I just hold a little tea inside the spoon like it was lined with gold. It makes me hungry just to smell the nice hot sassafras tea. And that's the one thing I really like that they say is good for me. Sassafras Tea by Effie Lee Newsom was published in 1927 in the poetry anthology Caroling Dusk, edited by County Collin and is now part of public domain. You can find show notes for this episode at anauscultation.wordpress.com, and you can send comments, suggestions, and questions to the Twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com. Auscultation is produced and recorded on the ancestral home of the Ute Cheyenne and Arapaho peoples. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.